Hour number two. Welcome back in. It's the Plank Show. Josh Elmer, Connor Pasby. Oh, you believer 56 chiming in. Saying that look for Burrito at third base. DP primarily will be Haley Lee. The Yes, the, the Texas A&M transfer. Yeah, the, the bottom line is this. They've got... They've got so many different options. They got girls who play in the infield that can play in the outfield also, and you could say the same thing about the outfield. That's why you're seeing Brito, who played a bunch of left field last year for OU, and she's been getting some work at third base. Torres, I guess, uh, thought to have a good chance in left, though, again, there's there's so many options out there on the table. I mean, Haley Lee. From Texas A&M, Sydney Sanders from Arizona State, Staraka we know, uh, Torres. So there's there's a lot that Oklahoma brought in. Not to mention, y- you got Erickson in this signing class. So and, and everything that you already had on campus. So it's uh, a lot to shuffle through. If, yeah, if you if you can hit, you'll be in the lineup. Doesn't matter where at. We saw that uh, Jada Coleman out of high school was an infielder then made the transition to outfield just because she can hit the ball. Yeah, I trust Coach Patty Gasso and company. They are they're going to have the right tweaks and roster lineup tinkering to position Oklahoma as best they can. The, the beautiful thing is they've got, you know, for an offense and a program that Look, has has won you know back to back national championships and set all these offensive records. And oh, by the way, they've not been a bunch of slouches inside the circle either. They've been really good inside the circle and defensively. They've won you know back to back national championships for a reason, Connor. They might now have more options than ever before. Yeah, just even keep, after setting yeah. all those records, there's people that said that they could be better than the last two seasons just because of. You know, how many players they got, how much depth they have. I mean, you saw in those inter-squad uh, scrimmages that they had. I mean, just looking at the second team, that second team could probably beat a handful of other programs. So they're, they're just loaded, and they just keep rebuilding talent. It's a good time to revisit that Patty Gasso clip with, uh, with Plank recently talking about the transfer portal. I will uh, – Dig that up before we get out of here today. It was pretty good. I could paraphrase, but uh, you probably don't care to hear me paraphrase this morning. You'd probably <laughs> rather just hear it from the uh, from the head coach herself. So, Oklahoma, the the men they survive this uh, this past weekend. Oklahoma men's basketball that is over West Virginia, and the uh, the post game press conference just a little bit of it to share with you here on my end connor here was uh, porter moser talking about oklahoma finding a way they did not oklahoma did not uh, I, let's see here did not have a field goal i don't think in the final six and change but uh, oklahoma found a way to win this game versus west virginia 77 to 76, the wire-to-wire victory over West Virginia. Had to have it. That's a West Virginia team that is winless in league play. Sherfield, good once again. He had 22 points. Jalen Hill, four clutch freebies in the final minute to just stave off West Virginia. And, again, Oklahoma, they didn't make a shot 
in the final 6-14, but made 11 of 14 free throws, 18 of 25 for the game. Sherfield, 9 of 11 from the foul line. And, and West Virginia had missed 48 free throws in losing its first four games of Big 12 play. 8 of 16 against Oklahoma. Yeah, they were they, terrible. They, then they said they've missed 55, so they updated the graphic later in the game. That is just poor. The worst in uh, Division One basketball. So, that is so bad. And now that number would be up to 56. Gosh. After the, the first five games. Yeah, they, they were – look, they helped Oklahoma out, which not going to make any excuses about that. Who cares, right? You, you take the, the cards that you're dealt and run away and take the victory in the LNC and hide. But here was uh, Porter Moser, a little bit of his thoughts afterwards. Man, you, you, you know, you can't ask for anything more than doing it, like like we to get the confidence to pull it out down the close ones. And uh, two out of three, we've done it. You know, Kansas, that went that way, but Texas Tech, we ended up pulling it out all five games. I was just talking to the West Virginia assistant. They could be 5-0. and We could be 5-0. and That's nuts. So it's going to come down to such little things. And uh, I thought they did a great job of making some adjustments to really, you know, ice on some mismatches. He's, he's one of the best at ISO and mismatches. They did some really good stuff in the second half. Um, uh, but I thought um, we, the, the two stops we got under, under a minute. Remember, I've been talking to you guys a lot about timely stops. They want to you know, get the ISO and get to the free throw ISO, making tough shots. And uh, then we finally got two stops. Um, I thought Jalen Hill, we ISO Jalen on the elbow. And Jalen made a big one, um, I think, under two minutes. So, um, you know, I thought that was it. And the other thing, I talked all week about the free throw or the rebounding. They're so strong and physical, and we out-rebounded them. You know, boxing out. I challenged the guards about rebounding down. Milos had nine, Grant had four. That's 13 rebounds between two point guards. All right, we really we rebounded down. You know, because they just the thing you can't just be standing there and let your four and five do all the rebounding. We challenged the guards to go rebound, and they did. And for us to out-rebound West Virginia uh, in a one-point game, right there. Right there. That was, you know, our guy showed some toughness blocking out and going to get the rebound. And I don't know how many offensive rebounds they ended up having. Um, but uh, four. four. I mean, we'll take that all day. You know, if you told me that before this game, would you t- settle for four offensive rebounds? I would say, book it, Dano. You, only, you got it. <laughs> Tanner had a couple of those three-pointers back-to-back. He was pumping up the crowd and all that. You know, we talk about getting him out of foul trouble, staying uh, in the game. Just how big is it to have him limit himself to two fouls in this one, especially as a passion guy? Seems like he really brings a big energy. Man, it was so great for him to see it go in at key times. Did it back. Grant did a great job of going downhill. He got downhill. He dragged him down and kicked it back. Those are those are big plays. Um, the point guard setting it up. Um, and sometimes we haven't been doing that, you know, giving them, you know, getting enough distance to where they, it's hard to help. And uh, I thought Tanner slowed down with confidence and, and drilled them back to back. And it was great to see them, you know. It was funny because I watched the West Virginia game last year here. I watched the, it's just the last four, four minutes. Go back and look at that. Tanner had two huge threes um, down the stretch last year in this game. So, you know, hopefully we need him, you know. I think he only took two shots. He was looking to pass and facilitate so much um, that I, I, I'm, I'm glad he hit that because we need Tanner to score. You know, we don't need him taking two shots. But I thought uh, it was great for him to see it go in. That, that was one of my takeaways, you know, watching the game and then just being a box score 
snooper, if you will, Jalen Hill and Tanner Groves, perfect seven for seven combined in this game, right? Yeah, they were they were phenomenal, and Moser well, just or what were you gonna say? Why do they only take seven shots? <laughs> How does Tanner Groves only take two shots? But yes, they they were both very very good in this game. Very yeah, very efficient. Took smart shots. Uzan uh, once again played a great game. He keeps stepping up. Uh, Big 12 play, just a freshman. He doesn't make those freshman mistakes, man. He plays mature, plays like a senior. Uh, his great ball handler makes some shots. Yeah, it was it was a huge win, a much needed, finally a close game that goes OU's way. I know it's West Virginia, they're 0-4 in Big 12 play, but you take that. You, t- you take that any day. Milos Uzan looks like he's going to be a star. Yeah. He's uh you know, longer guard, uh, can can drive, can dish, can attack, get downhill. If uh, if the shooting continues to improve, you know, add add the uh, the outside shot, man, I think he's got a chance to be one of the really, really good guards for OU in recent memory and a foundational piece for hopefully, you know, you get him to stick around and, doesn't just have this uh, bonkers sophomore season and something, a sophomore season or something, and all of a sudden he's off to the NBA draft. But he's, uh, I think, got the chance to be a foundational piece here at the beginning of the Porter Moser era. Huge win. Had, w- had to have it for the NCAA tournament resume. Listen to this, Connor. Just to Porter's point there about everything's close, and, and that's how he started that, talking about, hey, finally, finally, one of these close close games, you know, bounces your way and you find a way to win it. But no game. No game so far. We're five games in in Big 12 play, and not one of these for Oklahoma has been separated by more than a five-point margin, okay? Texas 70, Oklahoma 69. Iowa State 63, Oklahoma 60. Oklahoma 68, Texas Tech 63. Kansas 79, Oklahoma 75, and of course, Oklahoma 77, West Virginia 76. Everything within a five-point margin, and the overall point differential minus two. So, and the largest margin in that five-game stretch, that game went to overtime against Texas Tech. I mean, you just, just got to bring it every single night. This is... <laughs> The toughest league in college football, or college, excuse me, not college football, college basketball. And now you get an Oklahoma State team Wednesday that's uh, re- really struggling as well. Really struggling, but. Uh, if you can get that win at Oklahoma State, man, Sooner fans, we will need you Saturday against Baylor. That's a chance for OU to get on a three game winning streak, which would be crucial. Yeah, got a chance to. Pull back even in the league standings coming up with this uh, bedlam date on the road will be gigantic. And, look, it's uh, absolutely going to be tough to win down there. I know that uh, you, you just look at the standings and it tells you Oklahoma should win the game, but that will be the uh, rowdiest environment all year down there in Stillwater, save for, you know, a Kansas uh, arrival in Stilly. It'll be uh, – It'll be fired up, so Oklahoma has to go handle that road environment and hopefully go play well. And just judging by the first five in league play, go win another close game. Go win another close game. I think we've got a little more Porter Moser here. Hopefully this is queued up for you. Well, we'll get we'll get back to a little Porter Moser 
here in uh, just a second. A little more, one, one more Porter Moser clip here for you. Up some depth stretch, up 7270 with that smaller lineup, Otega, CJ good yeah. in there, forced to miss three. But what did you kind of see to be able to have the trust to go with kind of the small? They team? went small. They they put um, um, Trey at, at, the, at the five, and they, they took Bell out. And then we went a couple possessions. We were trying to switch one through five. Tanner gapped him, but then they hit a 15-footer. I mean, it, 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 give him credit. You know, they hit it. But then we uh, we decided to go small because we were switching everything. Because um, they were if if if, if uh, Mitchell was setting a ball screen and we were doing a ball screen coverage, they were popping them. You know, so it was a little bit of a you know going small. Then we went small. Um, we tried to go big on offense. We were trying to play offense defense with Tanner a little bit. Um, so it was a little bit of back and forth. But uh, they, do, they did a great job of spacing you and getting downhill. Um, you know, Mitchell, uh, the improvement I've seen in him, I mean, he literally is a double-double guy. I don't even know his numbers tonight. What did he end up with tonight? 16, Mitchell did. Man, he's – and I thought Tucson off the bench. For him, that's back-to-back games. He had 20 against Baylor. We knew he came coming in. He had 20 against Baylor, 14 tonight. I thought he was terrific. I thought, uh, I thought he was terrific as well. I love just listening to him crumple up the paper and go over the, <laughs> I know. the, uh, the box score afterwards is fun. I was just uh, – I'm looking at OU's schedule. I was just talking about how crucial this three-game stretch is. I look at the last seven games in Big 12 play. Here's what they sound like. Verse number two, Kansas. Verse number 11, Kansas State. At number 10, Texas. Then you got Texas Tech at home. At number 14, Iowa State. At number 11, Kansas State. And then you close it out with number 17, TCU at home. Yeah, it's <laughs> wildly difficult. There's... you got to bring it every night. And oh, by the way, there's nothing particularly easy about at Oklahoma State versus Baylor at TCU and the SEC Big 12 Challenge date that you got on your schedule is right now a one seed in Alabama. So, well, and that Oklahoma State team had a what was it a nine or ten point lead at uh, Lawrence, Kansas against the Jayhawks. Yeah, I mean, they blew it in the second half, but still capable of absolutely capable of giving you plenty of fits coming up this week and. Uh, you know, just the environment itself in Stillwater will be a challenge. Where is Oklahoma at in the latest bracketology update? I don't think Joe put one out uh, today. I know he did last week with Oklahoma. On the 13th on Friday. Yeah, with Oklahoma being the first four out. I mean, I think that changes a little bit with their uh, win against West Virginia. And it would certainly change if they uh, get a win in Stillwater Wednesday. Yeah, that's that's the latest update that – Joe Lenardi has out there. I'm sure that I could keep digging on all sorts of different bracketologies out there. The first four out section as of Friday morning for OU. Obviously, they've added the home win over West Virginia. Oklahoma, though, was in that. The last four by, last four buys looked like this. Northwestern, Iowa, Boise State, New Mexico. Last four in. UCF, Memphis, Arizona State, Pittsburgh. First four out. Penn State. OU, Utah State, Nevada, and oh, by the way, the next four out, Mississippi State, Oklahoma State, Kentucky, and Virginia Tech. A lot of people want to write the eulogy for Kentucky, and that changed quickly this, this weekend uh, huge at win Tennessee. For them. Yeah, huge win at number five, Tennessee. I mean, top teams just lose day in and day out. 
It feels like you get a number, a new number one team about every two weeks. I forgot um, the Big 12 SEC battle. I mean, it's coming up uh, later January. Oklahoma had number one Auburn last year, and now you get number four Alabama, who's <laughs> playing really good basketball. So you got to worry about the Big 12 schedule, but you also got a top five team coming into Norman uh, for the SEC game. Week from Saturday, yep. Alabama yep. invades the LNC. That'll be a great opportunity. Need that place packed in LNC. Great opportunity to notch a massive resume-building win. According to Lenardi, the breakdown bids by conference, the, the Big Ten's got a whopping 10 teams in his bracketology right now. The Big 12, 70%, 70% of the league. And, oh, by the way, Oklahoma's probably in now after that win over West Virginia, and Oklahoma State was in the next four out section. Not the first four out, but the next four out was Oklahoma State. So Big 12's just brutal. Seven out of ten teams. And then, well, so you say if Oklahoma gets closer and they get in, they would be number eight? Yeah, th- okay. that, that would be. Then you got eight of, the t- eight of the ten teams in. Yes, eight, eight of ten in Lenardi's projection. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. We'll share a little bit of the post-game audio for you as well. Let's see. Who was who was on the desk there? Jalen Hill and Milos, Milos Yuzin were, uh, were on the post-game podium or lectern, if you will, for Oklahoma. So we'll share some of that as we progress throughout the morning with you. There's a little bit of football scuttlebutt, some news out there I see. That we have to share with There you. is some news we can get to, yes. Some some breaking Oklahoma football news out there. We'll share it with you next. It's the Plank Show. He is Connor Pasby. I'm Josh Elmer. Happy to have everybody with us. Hour number two on this Monday. Happy MLK Day. Uh, if it can be, I guess, a happy MLK Day to you out there. But happy, I guess, in the sense that hopefully we're honoring the life and legacy of an American legend. Really, a worldwide legend reminding us uh, the importance of really just humanity, right, and equality on this uh, MLK Day. Josh Eller, Connor Pasby, T.O., Hour 2 rolls on next. Some uh, Oklahoma football news back with you on the other side. Home of Sooner fans next. Hour number two. We're back. Plank show. He is Connor Pasby. Connor, good morning to you, my friend. Good morning, Josh Helmer. Good morning. We've been hanging out for an hour. Yeah, we have. <laughs> I love it though. I love it. But uh, just yeah, in case we, I hadn't, just in case I hadn't said, oh yeah, good morning to you yes. politely. Yes. Did you have a great weekend? It was good. It was good. What uh, what about yourself, man? I mean, I know we had the big bowling party on that was fun. Yeah. On Friday, and then lots of football and hoops. What did you find yourself most taken by this past weekend from a viewing standpoint? Well, first, it was obviously the. Oklahoma men's basketball team getting a big time win against West Virginia. Need it, got it. And Need that, it, that, got it, good. that Jaguars Chargers game was just something else. I mean, Chargers going up twenty seven to nothing. Uh Lawrence throws four picks in the first half and then completely switches it in the second half. Throws what, four touchdowns? Jaguars come back and win. Now the Jaguars got your Chiefs. Off to KC. Off to KC. Off the KC, where they will 
looked to be uh, a big-time shocker. I mean, it was shocking enough to rally back from 27 down, but, uh, you know, you, you rally back from the four four interceptions. What, what do they have, five turnovers? Yeah, because you had one on the special teams too, right? Yeah, it hit the top, I, that dude hit the top of his helmet, and then the Chargers recovered it. Chargers might just have to shut the franchise down. I don't know oh, how man, you dude. lose that game. I don't know. They <laughs> have that many turnovers. and I hate that for well, Kenneth Murray, a linebacker. Play at, he used to play at Oklahoma. But, yeah, he had a great game. I hate that for him. The Chargers were in such a good spot to move on to the next round. But Jaguars play spoiler. And then Trevor Lawrence goes to the Waffle House. After I saw that. Game. That was yes. pretty awesome. Good That's, for him. That was cool. <laughs> That's the way to celebrate a big playoff dub. Go get you uh, a nice set of waffles and bacon and you name it from the the Waffle House there. Interesting clientele that you will find at the the Waffle House. You can never go wrong with Waffle House. Which uh, Waffle House has been an interesting place, as we've seen of late on the uh, old social media. A hotbed for some some fights between uh, customers and staff and... Now uh, somewhere where Trevor Lawrence popped in. So you never know what you're going to find at Waffle House. And then that that game last night, it was just impressive to me how the Ravens were even in that game with Huntley, who's not ideal at the quarterback spot, but you were able to run the football and have a chance to win the game. And what, Hubbard returns the 98-yard fumble to the house. Man, it looks like they're driving in, right, for the, the go-ahead score, and then, boom, the, the game changes like that. Do you – I know that uh, – want to get back to this Oklahoma football news because there is a, a transfer portal edition that Oklahoma has had. I'll just share that with you so I'm paying the tease off here, and then we'll, we'll do a deep dive coming up next. Blake Smith from Texas A&M is transferring to the Oklahoma Sooners, tight end, six foot four. 255 pounds, redshirt sophomore, let's see, has uh, appeared in six career games and has two receptions, two grabs for a yard. (laughs) So not a ton of production. Special teams guy, it looks like. Was uh, a three-star signee in the 2020 class out of South Lake, Carroll in Texas. Three-star signee was rated by 24-7 Sports as, let's see here, the number – 24 tight end, 74th best player according to the composite out of the state of Texas. Hasn't played a ton for Texas A&M, but uh, we can can deep dive what and how much it means for Oklahoma in just a second. The two AFC winners, Josh Allen, Buffalo, survive Miami. What was was going on with Miami? How – I get that you've got Skyler Thompson playing quarterback. So Bridgewater out to a tongue of Iloa, obviously the concussion symptoms out. So challenging, right? That you're playing your third yeah. quarterback. How again and again and again do you run that thing down to where you're getting a delay of game and you have to burn timeouts? How can you not be more organized than that? Explain that to me. Well, and there was three other times where they could have had a delay of game that wasn't called. But, I mean, dude, just to be in the huddle still with four seconds left, you got a fourth and short, you don't get the snap off, and now you're backed up in fourth and six. That completely changes your play call 
right there with under a minute left. You got a chance to tie the ball game. That does not make any sense to me at all. Yeah. With Thompson, I mean, you got you got Mike in your helmet telling you what to do. You got coaches telling you what to do, and you can't get the snap off, and you don't really come close to getting the snap off. They call it delay of game. Now you back up five yards. I thought, and this is maybe a little unfair, given the fact that he's the third-string quarterback, and there were a couple of throws that kind of he put right on the numbers and guys didn't, didn't help catch, him out, yeah. did, didn't make the catches, but I thought Skyler Thompson, probably as expected, was just okay. Yeah. I thought that he left a lot to be desired out there, and probably you could say the same for Huntley and Baltimore, which, again, those quarterbacks being the quarterbacks that they were probably shouldn't be altogether shocking. But really, so maybe they were going to get stuffed either way, Connor. The delay of game that they took on that fourth down and one. I don't know if it plays out differently if part of the reason they got stuffed on the play that gets blown dead for the fourth and one delay of game for uh, Miami, if that's because they were just discombobulated or if they were flat out just going to get stuffed by Buffalo because kind of looked like maybe they were just going to get stuffed. I, I don't know what would have happened there. But so they get that fourth down and six play. And, man, if he just Skyler Thompson just waits one more tick, he's open. Well, He's if, got his wide receiver coming open. Well, yeah, and uh, Tyreek Hill was scorching across the middle of the field. I thought he was going to go there, but instead uh, goes to the tight end. Would have been a difficult play. Kind of hit him in the hands. Maybe should have came down with it, but you shouldn't have been in that situation anyways. You should have had a fourth and one, a chance to run the football and keep the drive going and to get in field goal range. What did you make of Cincinnati surviving Baltimore? That was that was a better game than I expected. I mean, the Ravens, the reason why they kept it close and had a shot to win the game is they just kept running run the football uh, right up the Bengals' throat, just drive after drive. Huntley wasn't that impressive, but had some big plays with his legs. Found Mark Andrews on a few big plays, but that 98-yard fumble by Huntley when he's jumping, jumping to the end zone, which I hate, as a quarterback, and that just completely changes the game right there. Oh, it lost him. The game lost. Yeah, could have uh, gone. Could have gone up seven. Instead, you're down by seven. Just crazy. W- would not have expected either game between Buffalo and Miami and Cincinnati and Baltimore because of the quarterbacking on the other side to be close. But it goes to show you, especially in the Buffalo Miami game, turn the football over like that, and all of a sudden it is a big time, big time equalizer. Big time, big time equalizer. I'm not panicky over either of these results. I still expect Buffalo and Cincinnati to be a classic. And I do think that, to me, we'll see. Maybe Jacksonville's got one more spoiler in their system, Connor. But I kind of think Kansas City got the better end of the draw between I would rather see Kansas City play Jacksonville at home versus a division foe like Herbert and the Chargers at home. So I think Kansas City got the good draw there into – Probably the AFC Championship game, but uh, I'm not because of what I saw versus Buffalo and Miami and Cincinnati, Baltimore. I'm not freaked out for either Buffalo or Cincinnati. I expect that game between those two in the divisional round to be a classic, and I still think either one of the two definitely – look, they've, we've seen it this season from both that they've beaten Kansas City. I don't think it's going to be a shock if either one of those two gets to the Super Bowl or, uh, or goes – 
and beats Kansas City, honestly, by a couple of scores, right? I mean, I, I kind of think Kansas City might go to the Super Bowl, but to me, I'm not freaked out, I guess. What I'm saying is, based on what we saw yesterday, I saw some people trying to make that leap. Is there something wrong with Buffalo and Cincinnati? It's tough to win in the playoffs, yeah. man. I mean, yeah, the stakes are much higher. Just survive in advance. That's your way to go in the playoffs. We do have, if you want to switch the tide to uh, Oklahoma football, um, Coy in the text line reminds us that uh, Joshua Ellison uh, committed to Memphis, the defensive lineman. And we're still waiting on Aguebu, what uh, his decision will be. So that's another, another defensive player that, transfers out of Oklahoma and does not transfer to a Power 5, Connor. We'll see. I mean, wait, you don't think Aguebu is going to transfer to a Power 5? No, I'm five? saying Ellison. Okay, Ellison, yes. And I, mean, and I think Aguebu will. Yes, I think he will too. So, but the, uh, the note that we had from last week from, oh gosh, why am I blinking on uh, blatant homerism, our man out there was that I think there had been 13 defensive transfers from the previous staff that had exited out for Oklahoma, and only a pair of those defensive transfers had wound up resurfacing at another Power 5 program. So Ellison, again, would be another name that... Texas State. You went to Texas State. Or no, I'm talking about, oh my bad, uh, Joshua Eaton. Joshua Eaton's the kid that went to Texas State. All of this is to say, and I'm, I'm kind of all over the place here, and I apologize, Connor. All of it is to say that out of all these different defensive transfers out for Oklahoma, there's not been but a couple that have wound up at other power fives. Aguebu, I think, will will be another name defensively that winds up at a different power five. But generally speaking, as Oklahoma's coaching staff has reshuffled, reshaped the roster, the defensive players that are exiting from the previous coaching staff, Grinch, Riley, they haven't been Power 5 players at other places after they've left, Connor. So, yeah, it, it, deduce from that what you will. Yeah, it says a lot that those kids who are transferring from OU don't go to a Power 5. I mean, the only reason why McClutchin, I feel like, went to a Power 5 to USC is because of Lincoln Raleigh and that staff, and he didn't do jack squat at USC, and that showed this year. But, yeah, same thing with Ellison going to Memphis, a, a guy that, didn't really stand out. He was a fine player on the defensive line for OU, but I'm not I'm not surprised at all that he didn't stay in the Power Five. Aguebu will though. I mean, that's a kid. That's a dude that had over a hundred tackles, second in the team in tackles for Oklahoma this year. Uh, really solid player. And not to knock on anybody, that's not the point here at all. Just the coaching staff at Oklahoma seems to have a pretty good pulse on. Is this someone that's going to remain a part of Oklahoma's depth chart and an impact player going forward at a place like this, the University of Oklahoma? Okay, we're long overdue we for are. a timeout. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've blown the, uh, the landing here, uh, blown through it big time. Josh and Connor, it's the Plank Show. Take it a T.O., hour number two, the uh, the Sooners. Let's, let's spend a little more time on it. They've got a transfer portal addition tied in Blake Smith. Uh, a part of the Sooners. We'll talk about it next right here, home of Sooner fans. Hour two, we're back with you. Plank Show here, presented by Allison Insurance. Allisoninsurance.com, where you can check Bob and Robert Allison out online. Health insurance, life insurance, and so much more. 
Medicare Supplements. Bob and Robert Allison, they can find the needs to best fit you and your office for insurance. Allison Insurance, they've been helping you and your family for over 60 years. Number to call, 405-745-2968. Have you seen where C.J. Stroud declared today? I have not. Have you was seen asking that. Yeah, I don't know. Jordan when, when, Addison has declared. When does he have to make that decision, like officially? Is there a date? I, I think it might be today. It could be. Let's see here. I'll, I'll find out for you. Monday, January 16th. There you go. Yeah, I, I wanted to say, yeah, it was today. Uh, Wednesday would be the final day of the first transfer portal window. And uh, let's see, what time do they have to – make that announcement. I'm going to see if I can't find that exact information for you. Well, at at any point it's So you're you're going to have a lot of, you're going to have a lot of guys making their move today. Most of the players that kind of waited till last minute to make their decision. Man, that would be I mean, honestly, a big time big time shot. Tommy said Stroud has declared for the draft. Okay, so I don't know it, if that's breaking that it just happened. Yeah, well, and that's the right decision, I think, for him. It would have been cool for college football for him to come back. But, uh, man, I mean, come on. You've got – you're going to be a, you know, high, high first-round pick. Yeah, here he is, 33 minutes ago, the uh, the note. This ain't goodbye, Buckeyes for life. But uh, with the – oh, the three words that, as a fan, a lot of times you don't want to see. With that said <laughs> – with that said, I will be entering the NFL draft. With that said, I'm transferring. <laughs> uh, with that said, I'm declaring for the 2023 NFL draft. Yeah, sorry about that. Half hour ago, that's the breaking news note for C.J. Stroud. ESPN uh, not up to date on said story. But Jordan Addison, star Trojans wide receiver, has declared as well. Not a surprise. Not a surprise uh, for either one of uh, those two that they're making those decisions. There was some Buckeye fans that – we're thinking that C.J. Stroud would come back. But, I mean, if you're that high of a draft pick, it's kind of hard to say no. Well, the hope was they had put this massive NIL package together that would convince him to come back. And just the uh, motivation of having lost. Lost twice yeah. to Michigan. and It stings. You know, not, not being able to uh, – obviously winning the college football playoff there was that incentive but ultimately man trying to get that uh, big first round top uh, draft pick paycheck which he's he's definitely he's right there he's in the money well he's he in line for that well he showed out against georgia i mean he slowed or he calmed down some of those haters with some of the throws he had against the bulldogs but yeah that's that's terrible or bad news for ohio state losing a gunslinger like cj stroud but let's see here. Kendall says it was underrated was the fact that Mark Andrews was inches away from tracking down uh, the Hubbard kid on that return. That was quite hustle from Mark Andrews, who nearly got him down. Looked like there could have been a block in the back, but Mark Andrews sold it pretty good, doesn't get the call, and Hubbard takes it to the house. Speaking of the NFL, 580 Nate, Chargers. Staley deserves a lot of the blame, for sure. 
He's on thin ice, but Justin Herbert managed just three points in the second half and has just consistently underachieved early in his career, but it seems like he's never criticized at all. Well, he's got to be criticized after this one. No doubt. I mean, there's a ton of folks. Staley, as you mentioned, the head coach, obviously uh, gets a, a fair share of blame. But, man, you get gift-wrapped that amount of turnovers, and you can't win the game. You can't protect a 27-point lead. You score three points after halftime. I know there was a missed kick in there, but, yeah, he's he's not guilt-free in this deal. It just it wows me like how many times that happens to a team where they put up, for example, the Chargers putting up 27 points in the first half, and you can only manage three points in the half, and you can't move the ball uh, whatsoever against this Jaguars team. But, yeah, Staley gets, he gets a lot of the blame. Kind of got stagnant, felt like they're in the second half. They started running the ball a little bit more, and then the Jaguars just kept getting momentum. So a couple people have asked. We've, we've gotten off kilter here with several of the breaking news notes out there. The Sooners have added a tight end out of the transfer portal from Texas A&M. That would be Blake Smith. Not really any production to speak of. Six games that he's played in, two grabs, one uh, one yard on those receptions over the last couple of seasons. So he'll be what, a redshirt junior? Yeah, he'll be a redshirt yes, junior yes. at uh, Oklahoma out of South Lake Carroll. Tight end. Nice little, nice little addition just from a depth perspective for Oklahoma. I don't know that this is an impact depth piece in the full pantheon of in the full pantheon of transfer portal ads this probably to me with all peace and love and due respect to Blake Smith probably ranks toward the bottom of Oklahoma's transfer portal ads throughout this transfer portal season hey maybe i'm totally shocked once this thing's all said and done and a three-star former signee to Texas A&M winds up being a great addition for OU but to me, this kind of just feels like adding another big body in the tight end room for the scout team, for practice. I would imagine both Caden Helms and Jason Llewellyn will have every bit the opportunity to be snap receivers for Oklahoma this upcoming season, just as well as Blake Smith. I know that he's an older guy, but now you're talking about Helms and Llewellyn They've got a year under their belt, so I don't expect them to just be buried on the depth chart based on an addition and Blake Smith of somebody that has had six career games played, right? Nice uh, from a depth standpoint. Good to have another body in the room. I don't know how impactful necessarily it is for Oklahoma. The big impact is Stockton yeah, that's, out of the transfer that's portal the one, yeah. in that regard. I mean, maybe maybe Blake Smith deserves some playing time at a- A&M and didn't get it, but, I mean, a three-star kid coming out of high school – he looks a guy. Looks like a guy that's probably gonna be a run block tight end. So I mean, you got Stogner. That's your receiving end for a tight end. But I don't think it's a huge get. But I mean, nice little add if he. I mean, if he helps in special teams for sure. Do a break. We're wrapping up our number two right here. It's the Plank Show on the Home of Sooner fans. Right up against it. Hour number two. It's the Plank Show. Back with you, Josh Helmer, alongside Connor Pasby. Hour 2 presented by Allison Insurance, allisoninsurance.com. Health insurance, life insurance, Medicare supplements, 
and more. Bob and Robert Allison, they can find the needs to best fit you and your office for insurance. Allison Insurance has been helping you and your family for over 60 years. 405-745-2968. Hey, on the text line, be nice there. Travis, how about them G-men? Oof. It's, it's That's tough. Tough times. Tough times being a, a Vikings fan. How about this? Today, the I'm three, sure. Yeah, 3 one There was a Sooner in every game this weekend, including today. I was thinking for the Giants. I was like, who's on the Giants? And I'm like, oh, dude, Tony Jefferson. The Giants picked him up. Uh, Tony Jefferson played quite a bit in the game against the Vikings. So, good for, good for TJ. What a uh, recruiting pitch that is. Hey, flip on the game. There's a, There's a Sooner, Sooner in every, every game. NFL playoff game, every single one. I thought this was pretty good. I know we we got to take uh, an end of hour two break, but uh, let's get into this next hour. Out of the eleven transfer portal commits, this is from Tyler, the at KREF Sports account. Who's not being discussed enough as a potential impact player for Oklahoma next season? That's it for hour two. The news is next as well. Top five stories of the day. Plank Show back with you, Oklahoma Sooner fans. After this.